My name is Fortune Teller Baba, and you're listening to the Hermit Style Podcast. Now, where's my brother? I need my 10 zenny back with 57 years interest. Welcome to the Hermit Style Podcast. Talking all about the Dragon Ball Supercard game. From competitive play to the world of collecting, with your host, Jimmy Bacon. Yo, yo, yo! What's up, everybody? Hermit Style Podcast. We're back. It is Sunday, October 24th. Thank you, of course, for coming back to listen. And I apologize. It is a couple days late. For some reason, I have just had the busiest Fridays lately. And uh, it has been tough to record on Fridays. Not sure why. But um, I don't expect that to continue. Next week, we should be back on track. So again, my apologies. But thank you for coming back as always. If you haven't, do the things. Subscribe, follow, whatever it is that your app does. It is always greatly appreciated. But we have a great show today. I have a special guest on on our first of a four-part series called The Road to Nats. So basically what I'm going to do is for the next four weeks leading up to the national tournament, I'm bringing on a special guest to talk about a specific popular meta deck. Okay, so we're going to be talking about decks that you may see at Nats if you were going to go, or even if you're not going, this is probably what you're playing against if you're going to any tournaments. So uh, we had a blast. Uh, We talked all about Gogeta Xeno today. I do think that's going to be a popular deck. How popular? I'm not sure. We we talk a bit about what we feel, what percentage of the room would be on it. Uh, but it's an important deck to understand. You have to prepare yourself. You have to really understand the ins and outs of the decks that are most likely to be at the tournament, which there's an infinite amount of possibilities of what you could see, especially when you're going to like round one, round two, maybe even round three. Um especially after that, you will start to see it condensed down. You'll start to see a lot of similar decks. You'll start to see a lot of the same decks at top tables. And those are the decks that we want to hone in on to understand because you're doing yourself a disservice if you don't understand them. You need to know what their strengths are, what their weaknesses are, and how to exploit them. Or if you're playing the deck, how to compensate for them. So uh, we go over a ton of great info today on Gogeta Xeno. That is a deck that I think will be pretty popular. I don't how much, I don't know, but it'll be played, that's for sure. There'll definitely be people on it. So, we go into everything. We go into, you know, what cards decide if you're playing it, what sides, what cards decide if you're playing against it. How, you know, different strategies you can utilize in the deck. Cards that are mandatory, cards that are flex spots, all different kinds of things. This was a really wonderful episode and uh yeah, I I think everyone's going to enjoy it. But um yeah, other than that, I've had a busy week. There's a lot of things happening with Hermit Style that are coming up very soon. I'm not announcing them quite yet, but it, it, it lots of things are in the works, trust me. <laughs> so uh, I'm excited to share some some news very soon about Hermit Style, but it's been it's been keeping me busy. I've pretty much been working on it every single day, devoting any time I have to it. So uh yeah, we'll 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 see probably within the next month or so. A lot a lot of things will be going on, but other than that, man, we uh, we started watching the new season of You. I don't know if anyone is uh, into that show. 
but we loved it. We loved the the first season, and the first season was amazing. Like it was crazy. I was on edge the whole time, and the second season, y'all can let me know what you think. I think it's terrible. I think it's awful. It's terrible, terrible second season to a show that was great. They just it feels sloppy. It feels lazy. Feels like they put no time into working a new plot. It's it just feels like the same thing just happening over and over again. It's boring now. Like I don't know. You guys tell me, but that's been uh, that's been disappointing. And um, for those of you that have been listening. Over the past few months, you know, I've been going through all the Marvel movies. We finally finished all of them. So I've, I've now watched every Marvel movie. I suppose I'm a bit more cultured now. Uh, <laughs> but and then we just finished Loki. Uh, so we finished Loki. Now we go on to the next show. I don't know what one it is, but uh, so that's cool. That's the thing. Marvel's better than I thought. Uh, they're, they're fun movies. They're fun. It's a fun series to watch. I wouldn't say it's anything more than that, but they're, they're fun. They're fun. So. We'll see. Loki was okay. I didn't understand the hype. Just just didn't get it. It was whatever. The show was fine, but I, I don't know. I didn't understand why people were going crazy over it. It wasn't that wasn't that great to me, but I don't know. Y'all can roast me for that. I'm sure <laughs> I'm probably in the minority there. But anyways, I'll uh, I'll stop rambling. Let's get into the news. News from the lookout. Okay, so Dragon Ball News set 15 has, um, this is terrible. <laughs> Starting off with the worst news possible. Set 15 has been delayed. Uh, so it's been delayed one week, which means it will, its full release will be one day prior to Nats, which they have stated it is legal for Nats. Man, this is a bad decision. <laughs> Just straight up, this is bad. I wholeheartedly disagree. I think this set should be completely illegal for Nats, it should not be able to be played. I understand that similar things have happened in the past, of course. Does not mean that it was good then. And in my opinion, this situation is much worse than any situation before. We have a full set literally the day before, a full set release the day before Nats. Pre-release, one week before. They have said that you can buy an unlimited amount of product at pre-release. There is no limit on how much you can buy. But it... It really doesn't matter because there are there there's so many other pressing issues that this presents. So I'll, I'll go through here. Here's my thought process. I'll walk you through my thoughts. This isn't to come across as you know mindless, brainless complaining. This is, in my opinion, an issue, and here's why. And it needs to be fixed. Uh, probably won't get fixed. They've already put their statement out, and this is this is what it is. But there's nothing wrong with us putting our opinions out there, especially if we think something is wrong. You know. Uh, I understand that, you know, there, there's some people, the mindset of this is what it is. They've already stated their decision and we just have to deal with it. But we're, we're customers, right? Like we're the consumer. If we don't agree with something they do, we should be able to state our opinions to them. And Bandai is a receptive company. So even if, even if it doesn't change for this event, I believe that it will truly come into their considerations for future events. So I think it's important to let them know when we think something is wrong. If it's not a valid complaint, like if you're just salty over a loss over some card that, you know, you lost to and feel is unfair, but really isn't, I can understand people being irritated of constant complaining over cards that don't need to be complained about because players won't adapt or test enough to learn the format or learn the card. Sure, whatever. This is not that case, though. This strictly comes down to availability of product and... It's not Bandai's fault, 
right? This is just what happens. I don't think anyone is angry that the set is being delayed. It's the fact that there are, there's a trickle down effect. So let me explain. So one, the set has a pre-release one week prior. Not all local stores will get this in time. We have seen this throughout most sets in Dragon Ball. There's just errors that come up. There's shipping errors, distribution errors, things happen. The set just got delayed, right? <laughs> like just got delayed. So obviously things can happen. Mistakes happen. Errors happen. Uh, there are stores that will not get pre-release in time. There are people who will be flying out to Nats and their stores have not gotten any product by the day of their flight. That is clearly an issue. Now, I understand the store running Nats will have product. Sure. You're telling me you want to fly out across the country not knowing if you can get these cards? That sounds real wild. That sounds real, real wild. And I'll touch more on that in a second. Um, but before I do, let's go to online stores. I bought product online. Anyone who bought product online, there's a strong chance that you will not see it. For some stores, it's a 0% chance because there's a lot of online stores that only ship out when the full set release happens. If they're doing that for this set, there is zero chance you will have your cards in time for Nats. So now you're put in a situation of, I already dished out all this money for product. I've already bought a case, two cases, three cases, however much product you bought. Now, do you want to buy that product a second time for no reason other than I just don't have the cards I need for Nats? That sounds crazy. And now, a lot of people bought this product specifically for Nats. So now it's like, I don't even, some people don't even want the product now. So that's a whole other issue in itself. But the fact of there's lots of people who buy online, it is way cheaper, way, way, way cheaper to buy online usually. And now they're all getting screwed by this rule. Uh, the third reason is scalping. So I'll come back now to what I was starting to get into with the store hosting that's sure they will have product. You cannot tell me that product is not going to be scalped. People are going to buy out all the good cards and then try and flip them at Nats to people who need them. Whether you think it's right or wrong, moral or not, whether it's ethical or not, we can, we can side table that conversation. The fact of the matter is it's going to happen, right? Scalping happens in every card game. Scalping happens already in Dragon Ball. You can't tell me that Bandai has now made a rule that promotes scalping and people are going to go, no, 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 this one's for the community. We'll, we'll, we'll not buy this out. Come on, give me a break. This product is going to get scalped. You're going to have to pay insane prices for it. And yeah, I understand that Coral have singles. That's going to get bought out too. And let's say it doesn't, right? Let, let's say it doesn't. Let's say that none of it gets bought out. How much product do you think people are really willing to buy to pull these cards? And I get their singles. How many singles do you think Core is really going to have? It's, pr I think 50 is a generous number that probably they would have of an SR or SPR. That's 12 people. That is play sets for 12 people. That last time I checked, there's a lot more than 12 people going to Nets. That is a whole issue. Uh, and then lastly is playtesting. We have been testing already these set 15 decks. People are still, some people have picked their de decks for Nats or are really leaning a certain way because of the amount of testing they've put into. Now they have to make the decision of, 
if I know there's a chance I don't get these cards, do I take the gamble, continue to test this deck that I've already put all this work in and just say, yes, I will find a way to get the cards knowing there is a chance that I don't have them and I can't play this deck? Or do I just say, okay, I'm not going to take the risk and play a deck that does not have any of these set 15 cards in it because I may not have access to that card pool. So it's either I take the risk, potentially go into an event with a deck I won't even have, or I say everyone else that has these cards has an advantage over me and I cannot play the deck I want to play. That sounds terrible. Why should any player have to make that decision? This could be so easily avoided if Bandai would just say Nats is not legal, or <laughs> Nats is not legal, if set 15 would not be legal for Nats. So that's my stance on it. Hopefully I didn't come across as too complainy. That wasn't my intent. Uh, I will play under whatever rule set they throw at me. I will figure out a way to either get the cards or play a deck that doesn't have them. It's whatever at this point. But for the tournament as a whole, this sucks. It is not a good take. It will create a more negative experience. And in my opinion, it's not a good thing. I understand they're trying to keep the store happy, but uh, I don't, I just, I just disagree. Um, I think the take should be always, how do we benefit the community? Uh, I think that's what's always most important to any successful business is how do we benefit our customers and our community? And this does not do either. So that's my stance on it. There are other issues with Nats. I agree with people who are raising these issues. I've seen the issue raised of top 16 versus top 32. That should absolutely be a top 32. I've seen the issue raised of going to an undefeated versus having a set number of rounds. I agree. There should just be a set number of rounds. That is the best way to do it. Uh, and I hope that they do uh, decide to use that format. And I think it's important to put our opinions out there on that as well. But the most recent news is that set 15 got delayed. So this is what we are reacting to. This is what is at the forefront of conversations. So that is what we're, we're kind of putting our words out about. I agree. <laughs> Put your opinion out there. Like I said before, Bandai listens. Bandai, whether people like to accept this or not, they do listen. You can debate whether or not how quick they are about it. Sure. There's a lot of logistics that we don't understand. A lot of decisions that have to be made behind closed doors that we don't understand as just customers. We aren't in their business, so we don't know how difficult it truly is to do some of these things. But at least put your opinion out there on these things so we can try to make a change either now or for the future. Because it sounds absolutely crazy to me to have the stance of, well, this is how it's always been, so there's no point in complaining. What? Dog, open a history book. <laughs> like, come on, like, get out of here. That, that is the worst take I've ever heard. Like, If something is bad, just because it's continuously bad, doesn't mean that people should just get over it. We should continue to voice our concerns until we push for the change that we want as a community. So anyways, I'll get off my soapbox. That's my feelings on Nets. Let me know if you agree, disagree. It doesn't bother me any. I know some people get really passionate about this kind of thing. Uh, <laughs> it, I'm pretty laid back. So, you know, whatever your opinion is, that's cool. Uh, that's my opinion on it. I hope they change it. I think that I'm certainly in this regard. I'm probably in the majority from what I've seen in the on the Facebook posts of people commenting. So. I'm happy that a lot of people do agree that this needs to be changed. And if you haven't already told Bandai, let them know. Comment on the posts. You know, keep your opinion out there. The more people that voice their opinion, the more likely they are to change it. But we'll keep moving. Uh, collector selection test prints have been revealed. So if you want to see 
what the first test prints look like for Collector's Selection Volume 2, you can head over to the Dragon Ball Super Card Game Facebook page. They have two videos now listed, so I, th I believe it's all the cards. Pretty sure. And they're okay. They're okay. I definitely have my hopes set higher for what they would look like, but we have to keep in mind these are just test prints. This isn't even the material that the cards will really be printed on, so we don't know what they will truly look like as a finished product. This was just a test print on material that is not actual, you know, the, the card material that we use and play with every day. So the art looks pretty cool. I will say Napa was disappointing. Everyone knows I was excited for Napa. I, mm, I don't know. Maybe I'll like it more in person, but I, I feel like they could have done a lot more with it and it was just kind of bland. <laughs> it looked bland in the picture, but I thought that was because the foiling and texture would be crazy and it just didn't seem that crazy to me. But again, we'll see. I'm trying not to put too much merit into these test prints because they can look quite different in hand and uh, as a final print. So we'll see if you want to check them out. Like I said, it's on the Facebook page. And then the Card and Magica Regional was yesterday. I was planning on competing and just had too much going on. So I unfortunately could not compete. Um, I just played a few rounds to get prizing and that was it. But there is an SS4 Bardock deck that went undefeated. That blew my mind. My hat is off to that guy. I have no idea. I don't know. <laughs> if, uh, if someone knows what was going on in this deck, let me know because that really blew my mind. I don't think that deck can keep up in this format, but clearly this guy knew something else or was running hot or I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But 7-0 is pretty impressive with the deck. So uh, hats off to that guy. I uh, went undefeated. If you have more information on the deck, please reach out to me. Let me know. I want to know more about it because everyone knows I I love the idea behind the deck. It just did not feel strong at all to me. So shout out to that guy. <laughs> uh, and I think that's it for Dragon Ball news. We do have a couple things Hermistyle going on. For one, check out the Lobat podcast. Uh, Lobat had me on their show this past week. The episode dropped on Wednesday. And uh, it was a blast. I talked all about the Dragon Ball Super card game to try and spread awareness for the game. I also talked all about Hermit Style. Um, and I dropped some Hermit Style news that I'll keep exclusive to their show. So if you want to hear that, you can hop on over. Uh, if you are just here for competitive content, uh, may not want to listen to it. There, there isn't any real competitive Dragon Ball content on there. Uh, it was more just spreading awareness for the game, talking about it, talking about what I'm doing and talking about where Hermit Style is going and, and some of the things that we have planned for the future. So if you are into that kind of thing, I strongly suggest checking it out. They have a much more professionally produced pro podcast than I do. Their setup is incredible. If you haven't seen it before, uh, it's on YouTube, it's on Apple podcasts, it's on Spotify. It's everywhere just like mine. So go check it out. I'll, the link is always in the description for Lobat. So easy to get to, and it's posted in the discord too. And lastly, don't forget to enter the Hermit Style giveaway for October. Uh, it's already October 24th, so we're, we're <laughs> the month is almost over. That's that's actually crazy. I didn't realize that. But yeah, jump in the giveaway. You've got seven more days to enter. And if you win, you get a Metal Vigex Leader. It is a custom metal leader by TCG Metals, Mr. Chris Anderson. The leader's phenomenal. I pl I've played with it personally and have always enjoyed playing with it. Quality's top-notch. And yeah, if you if you play Vigex, this is definitely a leader you want. Or even if you don't, the leader just looks sweet. It's cool to have. So to enter the giveaway, it's very simple. All you have to do, join 
the Hermit Style Discord and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Uh, once you subscribe to YouTube, you can take a screenshot, post it in the October giveaway channel in Discord, and that's it. You're entered. If you would like more entries, I am offering an unlimited amount of additional entries should you invite anyone to the Discord and they join. So anyone that uh, anyone that you invite gets in the Discord, all you have to do, go to that channel, just message, hey, I invited so-and-so and tag them, and that's it. You get another entry. Uh, if you invite 20 people, you get 20 entries. So that is uh, that is it. So jump in the giveaway. And without further ado, let's get into the first of our four-part series of The Road to Nets. Turtle School Weekly Focus. All right, everybody. So for our main topic this week, we have a very, very special guest. Um, I'm really excited. This is actually, so talking about our main topic in the, the first episode of The Road to Nets, uh, what better than to bring on a champion to the show? Uh, we have Andrea Diego. Andrea, welcome to the show. Thanks, man. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. I'm really excited to have you on the show. Um, it's uh, it's a, really an honor to, to have you on because you, um, I believe it was, was it the 2019 tournament over there that you won? Yeah, yeah, the last uh, the last one we had sort of this twenty nine yeah, twenty nineteen, two years ago already, yeah. Yeah, that's incredible, man. It was the, the European finals, right? Yeah, yeah. That's we awesome. don't uh, we don't have a, a language finals, we have a, a European finals because our community isn't as big as the, the North American. So it's mostly uh yeah, Europe combined uh Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Well, that's that's super cool, man. Do you want to just uh, introduce yourself uh, to the to the listeners? Talk about a bit about yourself. Yeah, sure, no problem. Uh, yeah, most of you will know me as Andrea Diego on the uh, commun in the community. Uh, my actual name is Diego. A lot of people uh, actually don't know that, but uh, Andrea is the, the girlfriend's name. Oh, really? Um, <laughs> no yeah, idea. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not a big fan of uh, social media myself. Uh, but unfortunately for Dragon Ball, yeah, everything, uh, every announcement or every update, uh, pretty much uh, will put on uh, on social media. So uh, I just used her account, and she was like, "Okay, if you're using my account, I will add your name to it as well." And, uh, <laughs> okay, okay, I got you. <laughs> my uh, bad. I'm sorry. <laughs> now I feel no, no bad. problem. <laughs> only only the the persons that I talk to a lot uh, or know me uh, in person know uh, know that I'm Diego, but it's no problem at all. Well, uh... I just wanted to point it out because I think a lot of people don't know it. I see some people, oh, hi, Andre, how are you doing? I'm like, okay. Right, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> That's funny. Um, well, cool. Well, yeah, like I said, really excited to have you on the show. Um, before we jump into, I guess, some of the more specific things coming up for, um, I guess, our finals that we're preparing for, um, with yourself having a lot of success uh, in in large scale tournaments, what are some things that you do to like prep yourself? Like, do you have like a normal like regiment you go through, or are there certain ways that you test, or anything specifically that you do to prepare for these kinds of events? Um, yeah, I'm always um, the the thing I, I like to do the most is uh, yeah, we make. As a kind of gauntlet, so the, the the decks that we think that will be played the much or are the strongest decks, we just all put them together and start testing uh, those against each other uh, to see the weaknesses and strengths of the decks. Um, 
that's something I do. I also think uh, matchup knowledge is really important. Um, so one thing I always do is, even if I'm certain I'm, let's say I'm playing Soul Striker uh, upcoming uh, nationals, I still uh, play the other decks just to know how how they uh, how they play, um, what their sequence is, what I what are they doing turn one, turn two, what is the end goal, uh, just to understand the matchup. And I think if you know, uh, yeah, all this if you have all this information, it's much easier, um, yeah, to combat those decks. Or if you know what you what you can expect, then it's much easier to prep uh, for nets than just only play your deck, what you're playing, because then you don't know what they are capable of or what are they doing next turn. That's uh, that's the thing that I do the most. Yeah, I I agree. I think that's super important. Um, I've been in in getting ready for this nets. I I historically hate playing on untap <laughs> but i've Agreed. i've been playing on untap just so i can have access to all the cards and don't have to print everything out <laughs> but yeah uh, exactly it makes it so easy you know it makes it, it makes it so easy despite me hating playing on it <laughs> yeah, it's just it's just easy information and uh if you all also play the other decks you're familiar uh with let's say you're playing against a certain deck it's really difficult to know if you just can tap out or make your plays without uh, getting punished for it. And if you're playing the other decks, you get all this information, uh, which helps you also playing your deck as well. Yeah, That's something exactly. I find really important. Exactly, exactly. Um, and the other, another cool thing about Untap is for those of you testing that have more than one person that you test with, you can all jump in a room, uh, someone, and you can make your both of your hands viewable to the spectators that way the people watching you too can kind of put some input and feedback just like live while you're playing like why'd you do that why'd you charge that don't do that um you know what was your thought process here and sometimes that can help you to to have a better understanding of the deck like if i'm playing a deck that i don't know i like to have someone in the room that is really proficient with the deck and just watch every play I'm doing so he can correct me when I'm choosing a wrong play line or charging a wrong card or, you know, w whatever I'm doing, it, it can help a bit. So, but yeah, I, like I said, hundred percent agree with you. You have to understand each of the meta decks if you're preparing for these, these large events. Um, and then before we, we jump into talking about what those decks are, uh, as someone who went through, you know, a, a very large tournament, full day, you went all the way through Swiss, all the way through Top Cut, and wound up on top. Can you talk a bit about what your mindset was like as you went through the day? Um, just just in general, I don't know if if even there there was a certain mindset you had, but I know there's a lot of people who, who have success, I've noticed sometimes have a certain mindset or a certain thing they do throughout the day to keep them focused and kind of in the game. Um, is there anything that you do like that or is there a specific mindset that you have as you play? Um, uh, one thing I think, uh, I think it's really important is always stay confident because um, you can lose round one and still end up making top, uh, top cut. A friend of mine lost first round at Euros as well. And he made it all to uh, top eight as well. Wow! Uh, so wow! Wow! That's awesome. That's uh, yeah. I know it's difficult because sometimes you lose a certain match, and you're like, okay, now I can't lose anymore. But it's, I think it's really important to stay confident, uh, and also, um, yeah, just stay. Uh, I know it's difficult, but you need to stay relaxed. Uh, make sure you get some some kind of uh, relaxed moments between rounds, or. Go for a small walk, uh, stay hydrated, all these kinds of things, and 
I just don't, if you lose one round, just don't uh, think it's the end of all. Because, um, yeah, even if you lost the first round or the second round, the third round, you can still make it as long as you stay confident and yeah, believe in yourself. Yep, yep. Don't don't let the tilt get you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I know it's difficult sometimes. You come sometimes you lose a certain matchup where you're like, okay, I shouldn't lose that or I was unlucky or something like that. The problem is if you stay in that moment that you're unlucky or you stay tilted, then you probably will lose the next round yep. as well because you're still in that moment. Yep, yep. Hundred percent agree. Hundred percent agree. Um, all right. So, so switching gears a bit and really diving into this format that we have now, that, now that the ban list dropped, um, what, in your opinion, what are the, what are the big decks? If you were preparing for this event, what are the big decks in the room that you're like, okay, now that this ban list is hit, these are the decks that I'm going to see. Like if, if you were putting them together, like you just said, what decks are you putting together to test against? Uh, at this moment, without seeing something crazy from the last set, because I don't think the last set has that many uh, good leaders or something like that. It has some generic cards that boost certain leaders, but I don't think they will make a huge impact. Yeah, I agree. But I, I still think uh, probably Icarus is still the deck to beat, at least in my testing so far, um, because even it lost some tools like Samosu and the Bojack, it still has access to so many great cards. Uh, it has draws a lot of cards, so you always have a good matchup against self-search. Um, you have answers for everything. Uh, Yellow also got some good removal tools this set, uh, which it normally do doesn't have. So Aquas is definitely one of those decks. Uh, self-search for sure. Um, I still think Soul Strike, although the blue-yellow version uh, probably isn't played anymore, but still is, is a really good deck. Uh, just because you're always awakened on turn three, uh, normally with a higher life than four. So it's really difficult to kill uh, kill Soul Striker. Even playing Self Search, which is normally a really good matchup against Soul Striker, you still have to bring them from A to zero yep. without giving yep. them cards. So I think that's a really good deck. Uh, Kojito Zeno, I expect uh, to be there as well. I at least played a lot because it's one of the decks that people like playing and it's one of the yeah, a few aggro decks that we still have. So that I, yeah, those kind of decks I'm expecting uh, at this moment. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with your analysis there. Um, and I also agree, yeah, King Gohan is still very powerful. Still very powerful. They have, even though they got hit, like we, we talked about this last week on the podcast, like they still have Sensu Bean to untap. So even though they lost Bojack, they still have ability to untap. And like you said, they like they gain like the Turles card that has removal. Uh, yeah, the, the deck is just it's wildly strong. And I mean, Cell Surge is definitely going to be popular. So any deck that can draw a lot and can beat Cell Surge, in my opinion, like has to be explored, right? And then when you have a deck like Kid Gohan that's already powerful, yeah, I think it's positioned very well. Um, but yeah, and you said uh, when we had talked earlier, Gogeta Zeno is a deck that you've been playing, right? Yeah, I've been testing it a lot. Um, um, I'm normally playing Cell Search, but um, the problem with Cell Search at this moment is that I'm expected to a lot of players to prep for it. So yep, it's yep, really, yep. diff <laughs> really difficult to take it uh, if everyone is expecting it because games, yeah, game one normally will be easy, but games two and three will be yeah really mm -hmm, difficult. Mm -hmm. You're like another card that draws a card. God damn. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. And the decks that all, uh, also draw a lot, uh, bringing more draw cards makes it really <laughs> <Yep>. tough. <laughs> They're like, dog, I don't even need this, but I'm going to do it out of spite. Oh, <laughs> against the Ignis player, and he, he played two draw apes after my first free round, and he had like 13 oh. cards. And I was like, okay, <laughs> this matchup is not going to be. Sheesh. <laughs> Oh man. Oh man. <laughs> uh, well, is there anything that specifically really drew you into playing Gogeta Xeno? Like, is there anything just specifically about the deck that really caught your eye? Uh, or, or what was it that had you start playing it? Uh, the one thing I like is that uh, you can play certain hate cards as part of your archetype. So it doesn't uh, yeah, bother you in. Uh, when you're designing your deck, so it doesn't uh, make your ratios awful or playing certain weak cards or bad cards only to to um, yeah bringing hate cards against other decks. The, the fact that you just can main the true fighting spirit cards uh, without yeah. even nagging your own deck yeah, is so That's strong awesome. because yeah, I, even when I'm playing against Gogeta Zeno, I'm always okay. If I'm just floodgate them, I'm safe. And then they put two Gokus on board, and I'm like, okay. Even if I'm floodgating them, I'm losing four cards probably. Who says they won't still uh, keep attacking? Because I lost four cards, why wouldn't they lose two cards to keep attacking? So exactly. it's always difficult to play against those cards. And um, yeah, the fact that you can just main those cards and have those as your archetype, I think is really strong uh, for the deck. And also yeah, hinders a lot of decks because the Vegeta that um, basically hates the, the untapped cards uh, is really strong. Uh, the Goku against counters is really strong. So that's uh, that's something I really like about the deck that you yeah just have certain answers in your deck uh, without sacrificing your own deck. Yeah, yeah. Now that that is a, that is a really cool aspect of it. Uh, let's let's really dive into this deck today. I think what what we'll do is we'll make the the focus of our first um, episode of this series. We'll make it really focused in on Gogeta Zeno because I agree it will be a deck that's played at Nats. I think all the reasons you said are valid. Uh, and honestly, this might not be for everyone, but I always think about how much people invested into a deck like Red Broly, for example. I don't, do you remember when the Red Broly promos were like $100 or something? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and like, I was like, dog, there's no way these people bought these promos and they're just going to sit in the closet. Like they bought them to play with them. Like people bought these Gogetas. And in my opinion, Gogeta got stronger after the ban list. There's no way you bought these $100 promos and every single person is going, nah, <laughs> like I'm going to just play, bro, come on, cut the shit. Like you're, you're, you're probably playing Gogeta Zeno. I think people are going to be on the deck and all the reasons you said are much better than that. But that's another thing I just always think about as I'm like, okay, how invested are these people into this deck? Uh, there's no way that they're not playing it. I just saw you spend $450 <laughs> like on these winner promos. <laughs> like, come on. <laughs> Yeah, I agree. It's it's really yeah. It's not the, basically not the most expensive deck, but the Kai promos and the trotting package alone. Whew. Yeah, if you, if you bought those, I think you will still play it. Uh, yeah. If you like the deck before, there's no reason to to not play it at this moment because it only got better. Yep. Uh, after the ban list, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So let's start off. What the the first thing that I always ask myself especially when I'm thinking about playing a deck or if I need to side against it and how heavily I side against it is how much of it am I going to see? 
what would you say, like, what do you think is a safe percentage that, yeah, I probably see X percent of Gogeta Xeno in the room. Is, do you have a number that you think of that you're like 15%, 50%? Um, I don't know. What do you think? Uh, numbers, I think numbers really difficult. Um, that also, I also think it depends on a region where you're playing. For example, in Europe, it's played a lot. It also made, I believe, four or five uh, appearances in the last major event in the top 16. But let's say if you're playing seven or eight rounds, I'm definitely expecting it to play twice again. Is it at least, yeah. at least in my experience uh, so far? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I wouldn't be surprised to see at least, you know, at least two rounds, at least I would say anywhere from 10. I, I mean, I could see, I could see even 10 to 20% of the room being on this deck. Could be wrong, could be less, but regardless. I'm in agreement with you. If we're both seeing that, yeah, this is a deck you could see multiple times through Swiss in my head, I'm like, okay, I probably need to make sure I'm prepped for it or I'm exploring the deck. So let's just kind of talk about how this deck, just how, to, how it wins. Like what are its general strategies when you're playing Gogeta Zeno? When I play it, it feels like a very versatile deck, but I know you have a lot more experience with it than I. So can you just break down what the general strategies are when you play Gogeta Zeno and how you are winning the game with this deck? Um, yeah, normally I like to play it as an as an aggro deck because I don't think you can really go to the late game with it. Um, but the yeah, you know, the best part about the the aggro, uh, if you're playing it aggro, is that um, there aren't a lot of floodgates, so extra cards, uh, which really bother the deck because even if they let's say they violent ray you. Okay, you can attack with your Gujitas, but you still can attack with the, the weenie ones, with the one drops that you can boost. And so you have all uh, kinds of options to still put pressure on your opponent. And while you're putting pressure on your opponent, you also have uh, build-in removal for certain effects. Um, so that's what I like to do. I like to play aggro, but also managing the opponent's board or getting rid of annoying cards or something like that. That's the, the way that I tend to play it. Yeah, I, th I think that's a very strong way to play it. If I, I want to ask you, because I'm genuinely curious, if you miss on thwarting turn one and two, right? If you can't get thwarting out, how much does that impact how you're going to play the game? Like, are you still like, just bro, I'm, I'm going, like I'm playing martial melee, I'm getting in there. Or are you, <laughs> are you like backing off or marvelous my whatever i forget their names but are, are you like backing off and like okay let, let's try and take this to the mid game let me let me build this hand up and, and generate some value or are you just like nope i'm finding a way to get in there um yeah that's i must say that's one of the the downsides of the deck is because uh yeah you don't um you can't affect what you're warping from the top of your deck. So you're, yeah, you need to have some bit of luck to hit the certain pieces, and you can also have some bad luck by warping every super combo from the top of your deck. Yeah, so that's uh, <laughs> that's something as well. But yeah, throwing is really important. But the other ones are, I think, is really good as well because the blocker removes something with barrier. Uh, it's still a 16k uh, body where which you can attack with, and the marvelous might is. Uh, I really like the Marvelous Might because it's a barrier threat, uh, which not every deck can uh, can answer. And the fact that you can just summon two uh, two smaller bodies, which can take a life or boost of 10k with your leader if you're awakened. So really solid addition as well. So you have multiple ways to, uh, to uh, yeah, at least to 
to make some aggro plays against your opponent. And you also have to, at least I'm playing the six drop Goku to create, at least add some consistency to get some trollings back if I warp them with my leader skill or something like that. Yeah. Okay. That, no, that makes sense. Um, so if we talk about the, um, just in general, the main, cause I know we've brought up thwarting. Now you've brought up marvelous might. I'm assuming that marvelous might thwarting and the, um, the blocker one, I don't remember his name. I, I'm assuming that there, those are all mandatory cards as well as the, the true fighting spirits, the Vegeta super combo. Um, do you agree so far that all those cards are mandatory? You're playing them in the deck. Yeah, for sure. Okay. You want to have a maximum number of six cost uh, Gogeta's so that you at least can Union Fusion, yeah, at least every turn uh, because it also draws you a card. So that's uh, that's why you're playing all of these. So just to add some consistency to the deck. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, what about the what about the thirty Ks? Um, do you, are there specific thirty K Gogeta and Vegeta Zenos that you think are just? I see sometimes people with more variety here. I see lists sometimes differ in what the thirty K package they choose. Uh, are there any thirty Ks that you believe are just mandatory? Like, there's no way I'm playing Gogeta Zeno without these cards. Um, yeah, for me at least, the, the Goku, the Beyond the Limits, uh, is definitely mandatory because uh, it basically adds a fifth or sixth copy of a Thwarting card or something else you want to get back. Um, it just repla- it also replaces itself when you play it. I think it's really strong. Um, normally, I also add two of the 30k's Vegeta's just so I have another fusion target when I also hit the Goku in the warp with my leader skill. Um, but you can different. You can go different rounds. I also see people playing the Sky and Unison with the Skillers package, and then uh, Xeno evolving the six drops on it. And so you can go different routes with it. Uh, but in my opinion, the the, the assets for Goku should be mandatory in the deck. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with that. I agree with that for sure. Uh, when you talk about those 30k Vegetas, is that a flex spot for you where you can kind of play with which Vegetas you're using, or is there a Vegeta that you're always playing in the deck? And my version, um, like I said, a different version, but if I'm not playing the Skillers package, and um, I like the free overwhelm that also uh, warps a card. Yeah. Um, be- because you're already, yeah, you're not playing hand destruction, but because of they, they can't counter without losing cards on anything. So the fact that they need to warp a card when you play it and still need to defend the 30k, uh, I think it's really good. And it's just a, a free 30k swing, which probably will cost them two cards as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, are there any other, aside from the engine, I think that's pretty normal, honestly, for for the engine. Is there anything outside of that? Um, well, I guess even before we get there, what about the Unison package? I, I've, I've found most common people are running the Kai with the, the Mira Unison now. Um, mm-hmm. At this point, I feel like that's probably the most popular version. Do you think that's mandatory um, to run the Kai with that card? Or do you think it really is viable to like, there's going to be people on the the the, the Saint Scions or, or maybe the PyCon? Uh, what do you think about that? Uh, I've tested a lot. I even tested uh, the PyCon as well, uh, which lets you summon a, a six drop, which isn't bad. But the Mira really create, uh, yeah, provides more consistency for you because the fact that you can choose a card to warp, which sets up your union uh, union fusion pieces as well, 
and Mira is also a unison if they an- don't answer it or they don't bother oh attacking God, it. It's huge. <laughs> it's huge. <Yeah. laughs> Everyone keeps forgetting it, but with the the cards that you are warping each turn, it's like Mira Creator absorbed in a unison at, yep, at a certain point yep. in the game. So yeah. I, I I think Mira's the way to go. Uh, I was playing Bicon be- uh, before, but then I saw the builds with the Mira and I tried it and I was like, okay, this is so much better. Oh yeah, man. Oh, it's so good. Um, our Armando on our team has been playing that deck a lot, and he's he's always had that mirror unison in there. And when I first saw him play it, I was like, "What are you doing? This deck doesn't play that card." <laughs> like, yeah, that's the same. And, and then <laughs> the he's just clapping everybody. I'm like, "Oh my god, dude, this is insane!" <laughs> uh, yeah, it's you need to attack, and even you can't let it on on. You can't even let it on. Even on one mark or something like that, but we, you need to kill it as fast as possible because at a certain point in the game, yeah, that card. Uh, so that so that's super. Put in some damage. That's super interesting to me that you said that. So if you're so if you're if you're like looking at you know your your options, you're playing against Gogeta Zeno, and you do get that Unison down to one marker. Let's say they have another Kai in their warp. Are you still trying to kill that Unison? That's that's an, a good point indeed. Uh, you need to make sure that they have a Kai or not indeed, uh, because uh, the Unison needs three markers, if I'm not mistaken, to yep. to really get off uh, and to attack as well. Yep. Um, uh, the fact that um, it depends on the matchup and uh, what they have in warp. If they don't have the Union fu- uh, Union fusion pieces in the warp, I was I would still attack it because the mirror creates another consistency option for them. To set up union fusion pieces and then I would destroy it. If they have everything they need and they have a kind warp, you can leave it at one marker. Yeah. Um just make sure that it doesn't have two because before you know it they stick one under it and then it's still attacking uh yeah exactly. I I've I've historically usually left it at one, but it depends if my you know if if your next attack isn't meaningful then whatever. Like you you can kill it if you just if like you haven't swung with your leader or something, yeah, like kill it, get your draw. But when they have the the Kyan warp, I feel like if I'm swinging with like a battle card that I didn't that I could have just left in active mode and not potentially my opponent attack. Sometimes I can generate more value for myself by just passing. But you you have a good point too. If you're looking at their warp and they don't and they aren't set up, then yeah, just kill it because now now they might not be able to get it back. That's a good point too. Yeah, that's it's really really uh, much dependent on what they have in warp indeed. Uh, normally, when yeah, it's very hard that they will whiff or don't have the union fusion pieces, so they can it uh, can stay at one if they don't have it just attack. But it also depends if you. What I always try to do against Gogeta Zeno is that I don't want to give them that huge awaken turn. So if I don't have to attack the leader to give them that huge awaken turn, yeah. I will rather swing at unison. Given that insane turn where they can play multiple bodies, uh, play the weenies and so and certain things, so that's really yeah depends on matchup and uh, and state of the game for sure. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, okay, cool. Are there any other cards that you would say are mandatory in the deck outside of the unison package and outside of your standard like thwarting package that you're always running? Uh, one card I really like is the Free Drop Kine Gate, uh, which basically is live on uh, on turn one uh, with your deck. 
Uh, it's a kind of gate if your opponent ha or you have three more cards on warp, it reduces the hand by two. Yep, yep. And it's basically uh, a negate which can stop two attacks if you uh, summon it correctly and your opponent uh, doesn't sequence correctly. Let's say they uh, swing the fleet of first, you play the Kai and bounce the battle card. Um, I really like the card. It's, it's also a 5k combo at worst, uh, so that's that's what I really like. Um, I think that's mandatory, not as a 4-off, probably as a 2 or 3 off, but it's still a mandatory card, at least in my opinion, because it gives you some defense, which you don't have a lot of uh, combo pieces if uh, if you don't need it. Right, right. I agree with you. That card is very powerful. I've uh, I've tested it, and it it there, every now and then there's certain matchups where it doesn't feel good, but a lot of times it just feels great. And I think there's definitely, you kind of like made a light bulb go off as you were talking. It seems so simple, but there's definitely something to playing an aggro deck and having a hand with negates you can't combo with. It feels terrible. So when I can have these negates in my deck that I can actually utilize, not just defensively, but also to increase pressure if I need to, that's also, I think, something that's very powerful. And... That might be the two attacks that you stop that saves your Mira unison. So you like you might be able to negate with that Kai, use it to combo off on another card, push them to two life or something, and then swing in with a huge Mira with a Champa. I mean, I think that Kai adds a lot of value to the deck. So yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I think it's I think it's a very strong card to play. Um, so let's let's kind of move forward in our in our conversation here. I think as we were talking about that, we've gone over a lot of strengths and weaknesses of the deck already. Are there any other that strengths or weaknesses you haven't talked about that you would like to hit on something that maybe the deck is very fragile to, or something that we haven't talked about that the deck does well? Um, fragile. Um, yeah, one thing that's really important is that it's a lot of good uh, side deck cards against it. Um, for example, the two drop uh, Maki Cabra. Um, yeah, the downside of the deck is that every Gogeta is a six cost. So that's as soon as they play a Machiavelli for two energy and they just call Gogeta six, yeah, Gogeta yeah. Zeno six. Uh, Turns out, doesn't yeah, you can only play Weenie Rush at that, at that moment or swing with Unison if you even have one, but it, it delays you for sure. And uh, another good card against the deck, at least in my testing, is the, the Kai counter play. Uh, because at a certain point in the game, they will play the the one drop weenies from the from the six drop, the marvelous might. If you uh, if you counter win the one, the supreme Kai of time uh, time disruptor, they can't attack with the two cost uh, or less battle cards, which can uh, can really hurt them because they're most likely relying on the one drops to self awaken at the turn or something like that, or want to to go in the turn. Wow! If you can yeah. stop those one drops on there from swinging. That's really huge as well. Yeah, I haven't I haven't seen that card in the format too much, but that's a really good point. Uh, is that is that a card that you'd recommend people side? <laughs> if you expect a lot of Gogeta Zeno, uh, for sure. It also helps against random matchups, random aggro matchups, like uh, let's say you're running against Red Green, uh, where the Piccolo Eradicator comes down. You just summon it, now they've paid two energy and can't swing with it, and you just replaced it by, by drawing a card as well, and it's 5k combo for you. Yeah, it's it's funny. Really like card, yeah. it's funny you say that because the last time I ran the card was when Red Green Launch got really popular for the first time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's really good against Red Green because yeah. they just tap to Anodly and they're not going to draw cards for Piccolo. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, that's funny. <laughs> 
Oh man. All right, cool. So in regards to matchups, right? So we've talked about, it was Soul Striker. Uh, we've talked about Cell Surge and we've talked about Kid Gohan. How do you think Gogeta does against each of those decks? Um, I think it's favored against Cell Surge. Uh, at least in my opinion, even when I'm playing Cell Surge, uh, I can only survive it when I see certain cards or have the floodgates at the right moment. Because um, even if you have a floodgate, you they can run the Super Kamehameha. So you need to make sure that they aren't at four or less life because otherwise you're still probably going to die. Uh, so I think that matchup is favored for Gogeta Zeno. Um, against Blue, it's yeah, difficult. I think it's dice dependent and also dependent on what you're seeing, if you hit the right pieces or not, uh, because uh, they can just stall you out another turn with Baby Hatch. And that extra turn for Blue is just so important to set up or to come back in the game. And against Icarus, uh, you can win against Icarus, but Icarus has a huge hand, so they can defend a lot against your uh, your threats as well, and they can tap a lot of your battle cards. You need to sequence correctly against the deck uh, if you want to have a chance. But I, I think right, it's a right. decent spot in the meta. I just think the Icarus match is probably one of the worst matches for you because they just draw too much cards to uh, eventually kill them fast, and at a certain point in the game, they just establish a border spell and play huge threats as well. Uh, but other any other deck than that, I they can definitely beat it in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. Is there anything that you are siding in to help with the kid the kid Gohan the Icarus matchup? Oh, it's really difficult because uh, yeah, the, you can't stop them from drawing. At least not in, in black doesn't have cards a lot that doesn't stop them from drawing cards. Um, yeah, it's it's really difficult because if they they can also play on your turn, which is really difficult. So let's say you're attacking with something like that. They just can summon a, a Raiders Warcry. Uh, they have the, yeah. the new addition with the Vegeta Kaba as well, which can bottom deck cards and his removal and dual attack. So that yeah, that matchup is really difficult. The uh, Vegeta Kaba, what, uh, what power is that? It's a 19k, okay. I believe. 90k dual attacker. Okay. Uh I mean, it, it feels weird because it's it's already it could definitely just go to your warp. Is Kowitzakai even a consideration for you and Gogeta Zeno for a sideboard? Oh yeah, definitely. It's it's really difficult in the deck because it isn't like Vagex where you just right, burst right. And <laughs> just free in, in the drop area. <laughs> like okay, uh, but it definitely helps. It helps against random matchups like red blue decks with arrival stuff. Uh, it helps against certain floodgates. Uh, it helps against those decks as well. So Koizuka is definitely most of inside if you're not even maining it because I see a lot of players also just maining two copies. Right, because right. The, yeah, Koizuka at worst, if you don't need it, it's a 5k combo charge uh, to worst position. Yeah, for That's sure. That's something that could help as well. But other than that, uh, they just draw a lot of cards. They also have removal right now. Uh, with the latest uh, latest set, uh, so I think that match is really difficult. You can win it, but you need to sequence really, really good and not play anything before you swing with the other because they can tap everything. Uh, yeah, yeah. On your board, so that's uh, that's something that uh, that is just really difficult. You you can't overcommit on the board because they will tap it with power of Super Saiyan or Zamasu or anything like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that, that does make it tough in a deck that, um, 
can go wide. <laughs> and that's probably one of its strengths is that it does have the ability to go wide if it needs to. And Kid Icarus just kind of says no. So yeah, that, that definitely can be, I can see how that would be tough. Um, what about, what about the blue matchup? I know you said that can be, I mean, do you think that's pretty much like even it really just depends on draws and what you see, what your opponent sees and how you sequence, or do you think, do you think, is it slightly favored one way or the other? I think you're slightly favored just because of the, the hate cards that you're maining. Right, uh, right. Because Blue lost to to use Dimension Magic or Sands of Beans and uh, all kinds of these cards. And yeah, the true fighting spirits really hurt the Blue decks a lot. And that's also one of the reasons why Vagix always did so well against Blue. Uh, but if you if you can start the matchup and you just draw okay and you see your certain pieces, I think uh, that, you're, that you're slightly favored. The, the only thing that you can't answer is Baby Hutch. Which can save them a turn, uh, which is annoying because next turn they will play the boo unison, which makes it a lot uh, difficult. But right. other than that, I think you're still uh, slightly favored just because of the the hate cards that you're maining uh, in your deck. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I know when I was uh, when I was playing a lot of blue, one card that I hated to see come down when I was playing against black was Demigra, the five drop. Do you play that in your? Because I've seen some lists with it and some without it. Do you play that in your list? Uh, at this moment, not anymore. Uh, I still think it's a great card, uh, but um, you're paying two energy, and um, yeah, at this moment in the Gogeta version I'm playing, especially because you have the the twarding now, the the promo. Um, yeah, you can do much more with the two energy uh, in my version at least. Um, but it's it still could be a good side deck card against Blue because uh, with Galactic Galactic Buster gone and uh, don't have a lot of removal if they if you can stick at the Miga on the on the battle area for certain turns it will uh, will really hurt them yeah that, that's what i was wondering if it's worth a a consideration in the sideboard to just say okay playing blue this comes in i can do this on turn two or three if it sticks cool i'm just generating a ton of value with these true fighting spirits but at the same time like you said it does pull a little bit back from your aggro because you know, obviously with two energy and a deck that can play huge cards for one or even play multiple cards for one, you're, you're losing that, some of that aggressiveness. So I was just, I was just curious to see your thoughts on that card versus blue. Yeah. And the, the, the one thing that, uh, I didn't like personally about it is that it isn't really easy to get five cards in your drop area with this deck, because most of the cards go to your warp. And if you union fusion, you have two cards back, but five is, uh, it's a lot more difficult more than any other black. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I can definitely see that. I can definitely see that. Okay, cool. All right. Um, is there, are there, and I mean, for Cell Surge, I don't think we really need to talk about siding for that because as you said, it, I think it's probably already favored, right? Yeah, you draw a lot of cards. You can self-awaken. You can put a lot of pressure on them. Um, so I don't think you need to side even for it. Uh, I think it's it's a favorite matchup, and uh, you put so much pressure on them that I think you'll win uh, win eventually. Because one of the downsides of self spread is just playing against aggro decks because you have to boon negate. But yeah, the boon negate can be answered at a certain point in the game, or Ikoitsukai or something like that. So gotcha. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. That, no, that makes sense. Pretty simple. Um, 
Are there any side deck cards that you would say, I know we've talked about mandatory cards for the main deck engine and just general cards. Are there any cards that you think for sideboard that we haven't already discussed that you're like a hundred percent, this is going in no matter what. Um, yeah, I, I'm always signing petrification. doesn't matter which black, <laughs> which black deck I'm playing. I'm always signing petrification because certain games you can't finish uh, within two or three turns or maybe turn four. And then eventually they will play the big bombs, but petrification is just so good against big bombs. Oh my god, that I card really is, like that. it's like I don't know. Every the card's so busted, man. <laughs> like it's got to be one of the most powerful black cards. Like petrification can just feel so good when you drop it. It's it's a wild card. Yeah, definitely. People that are playing the A drop uh, as a small Gogeta and just swing and think, okay, I'm going to destroy two battle cards, two from <laughs> hand, you just petrification it. Psych. <laughs> <laughs> I really like that. It's also good against dual attackers or other things. Also, it's just a really good card uh, in general. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, okay, cool. Uh, any anything else that you would recommend siding, or is a lot of this more player's choice and cards you can tech in depending on how your list runs and and what your predictions are? Yeah, it depends. It really depends on your on your list for sure. But uh, let's say you're playing only two of the Vegeta, two Finding Spirits, you can side two more for the blue matchup, for example. Uh, that's something that you could do. Um, you could the new black. There's a new black negate, uh, which helps you with more barrier removal. Or oh, it's it's a counter attack, I think. The ultimate minus energy power ball. Right, right, I really right. Like yep, that yep, as well. yep. Yeah, I think that's a really good uh, good card as well because. Um, if you have a black unison uh, on field, you don't even have to pay the, the energy cost for it. And uh, at the worst case, it just gives you 15k uh, 15k power uh, as combo power as well. So I think that's a huge card for the next set to play as well. Um, and yeah, that, other than that, that is a cool card, especially, creature. I mean, going back to even what you said, um, you know, like e even when we talked about Demigra, you're like, well, there's so much I can do with this two energy. But if you're using those two energy, you're tapped out. So anything that you can use that helps you a little bit to get through the next turn and you don't have to worry about leaving energy up, that's huge for any aggro deck, I think. Yeah, definitely. And uh, uh, blue, um, you also you you have a barrier removal, so that isn't a big problem. But the fact that you can just warp a 15k battle card without nagging your if only using one card in your hand and not using energy, I think it's really good. Yeah. And most likely you have a unison on field with the Kai or the, the Mira, so it's free as well. So that's one card I would uh, would cite for sure, just as a value card. And other than that, I normally change ratios or change my... Uh, a lot of um, side deck cards are also utility cards, like overrun cards. So let's say you're playing against blue yellow, you know you're they're running the four drop Goku Black that summons all the tokens, blockers. You side them probably identity must say or something like that. So you can tag in for yeah for more matchups or more cards that your opponent is playing. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Okay, cool. Um well I think we've I think we've hit a lot of playing Gogeta Xeno. I think we've hit it pretty well. Uh I want to go to the other side of the table before we before we wrap up this topic. And let's say you're playing against Gogeta Zeno. Uh, obviously, this answer can change because obviously different colors give you access to a lot of different cards. But in general, if you're a Gogeta Zeno player, what are you not wanting to see your opponent's side in? Like, what is what is going to do really well 
for opponents? And are there any generic cards uh, that you think are good that it really doesn't matter what color that just does well? I know before you said Meki Kabora uh, is a really good one because two drop and you just play it and they can't summon their six drops. Anything else like that that can really help to shut Gogeta down so you can live through and, and get to that mid to late game? Um, yeah, the two-drop Makabuas, one, the Kai could be huge when they summon the one-drops. Um, also, a black card, which more decks can play as protector of the people. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. So that you don't, yeah, because um, they can swing a lot in one turn. And, um, yeah, Sansa Bean, if you're playing blue at least, it makes you 20k, but it can still go to a 20k. With protector, you just, yeah, minus two cards in your hand and will get value each time they're attacking, and that can definitely stop them for a turn. That's one card I would recommend, but uh, depends if you can side it or main it, depending on your color that you're playing. Um, other than that, what about a uh, red? What about in red? You have oh, imposing uh, imposing presence is a really good card in red, I think, against this deck. Oh yeah, because yeah. uh, it can swing cool with the one drops because uh, it minuses before they swing, so. They can't even swing with the, the one drops anymore. I really like that as well. Yeah, that, that card is actually really solid in the matchup. Yeah, that, that's a really good one. Um, yeah. <laughs> is there what what about Cell Surge? Because I know before you said you've you've played the matchup and you've played as both Kojita Zeno and Cell Surge. Is there anything Cell Surge can do to tip the odds in their favor, like specific cards they can side in? But siding in cell surge is really difficult because mm -hmm. you need to have the green and yellow cards as well. Yep. <laughs> uh, so normally you, you just add two shocking devils, more negates, uh, maybe you up the boon negate uh, to uh, at least survive the early the early uh, turns. Um, one thing I really like, I'm always playing in my against in, at least in my cell deck is the the boost secret where the Kibidu Kai. Right. Uh, that's really huge against uh, against the deck. Uh, but other than that, uh, yeah, it's really you need you need to win the dice. You need to see your your floodgates at the right moment, and maybe then uh, if you get to a certain point, you can uh, use your leader effect to tap everything or destroy the hand. But it's uh, it's really difficult. Uh, yeah, for sure, for sure. Cool. Well, at least there's options. So those of you listening, you have yeah. something you can do. <laughs> for sure. Um, all right. Cool. Well. Before we uh, before we finish this completely, just any other last tips for aspiring Gogeta Zeno players, um, especially for those potentially playing it at this upcoming Nets? Yeah, I would just recommend uh, test it against every meta deck. Uh, make sure you have the, the right deck options in your deck uh, that you at least uh, are favored in, in first game at least. Um, other than that, it's just prepping, testing against every deck, knowing what every deck can do, so at least you know if you can extend more without give, uh, getting punished at the next turn. Uh, yeah. It's basically that, because uh, yeah, you, 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 can't, uh, you can't manage the, the cards that you're warping, so that's the downside of the deck. You will, you will have a game at a certain point where it's just, okay, I'm not playing a, a Gogeta six rope uh, at this point in the right, game. Right, right. You're like turn three. You're like, come on, man. <laughs> yeah, that that will happen. And Why yeah. are they all Vegetas in my warp right now? What's going on? That's something <laughs> you need to need to accept as well. You need to accept that you will have a game or maybe two games. That, uh, if you're playing, <laughs> Hopefully that, not that in a row. Just, 
another <laughs> row that you're just gonna break and don't see your right pieces. But yeah, that's the that's the the downside of the deck for sure. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely, definitely. Um, well, cool. Yeah, and I, I I definitely understand what you're saying by you know when you talked a little bit about overextending because uh, it is a deck that I will say if. <laughs> If you try to go in at the wrong time, you will get punished severely for it. You know, like you take a life when you shouldn't. You think you're pushing for game and it just doesn't work, man. You you will get punished. So putting that time in to know, okay, I can push the deck this much on this turn or no, this is a bad idea because I know I'm going to lose on the clapback. Uh, that that's only going to come from experience and testing. So I definitely agree with that. Um, well, cool. Well, to uh, to finish up our, our episode here, um, I've really, really enjoyed having you on. I think that you've given a ton of great, valuable feedback uh, to anyone who's either, whether you're playing Gogeta Xeno or not, as we literally started the episode with, you have to understand each deck. Um, so regardless if you're playing it or you're just prepping for the tournament, uh, I think you've you've given a lot of a lot of valuable advice to to our listeners. Um, any other just last tips or words of advice? Just out moving away from from the deck itself, just in general for those of those of us who are prepping for Nats. Any last words? Any tips? Any uh, any secrets from the champ? <laughs> I would say also enjoy it because uh, a lot of time when you're testing on a competitive level, a lot of players, even me. Uh, We'll try, uh, yeah, are so serious about the testing that we don't enjoy the games anymore or get too competitive. So I would always recommend uh, yeah, make sure you have the right balance. So test a lot with your friends uh, and then just also relax, go some, get out for some drinks, have a nice dinner or something like that so that you're not completely only busy with the, with the card game and the competitive testing because... Uh, one of the, the best parts about Nationals is always hanging out with your friends and just having fun and being together, at least in my opinion. Oh, man. D- Diego coming with the real knowledge on the show today. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Beautifully said. I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. When I think back to like literally every tournament, uh, it was funny. Th- this recently happened. Someone asked me, uh, what was the question? It was something along the lines of like your favorite like memory from a tournament. And the question was definitely like expecting some crazy play I hit, you know, or like some crazy play my opponent did on me. And I was like, oh, my God, I got destroyed. And like all I could think about was just like, yeah, this one time we were hanging out, we were in the hotel room and this happened. And like every single one was just a, a memory of hanging out with friends or, or doing something completely outside of the tournament. So I mean I, I agree a hundred percent with that. That's really what it's all about. That was dang. Diego coming in hot. <laughs> <laughs> Very well said. Very well said. Uh but no man, it's it's been an absolute pleasure, like I said, to have you on. Uh any any shout outs that you wanted to give before we close out here? Um no not really. Just a shout out to the community. Also to the Halo group. I really enjoy that group as well. <laughs> <laughs> when you need to get it all out, it's there for you. <laughs> Man, the group is great, but I really enjoy it. It's just one big group where you can just say everything you want and people also ex- accept it from each other. So that's that's really nice as well. <laughs> no, but other than that, no shout out. Just uh, I would say have fun, everyone, and uh, good luck at Nationals. Awesome. Well, Diego, it's been a blast, and I hope we talk again soon.
Yeah, thanks for having me. Results of training. All right. That was a blast. Thank you again to Diego for coming on the show. I apologize again that I, I butchered your name in the beginning, but we got past it. It was it was fun. Uh, Kojita Zeno is, man, it's a strong deck. It's a strong deck. So hopefully that helped you guys out and uh, provided some insight into playing the deck as well as the matchup against it with whatever it is that you're playing. Uh, if you have questions about it, feel free to reach out. And we're, we're happy to try and help. But it is time to move on to our results of training. Of course, brought to you by Promats the best mats in the game. I just got my new shipment of hermit style play mats in. So they'll be going up for sale shortly. And man, they they're amazing. I say it every single week. You don't know what you're missing out on. If you have not played on a pro mats play mat before, um, do the best in the game. If you don't want a hermit style play mat, that's okay too. They have all kinds of different designs. Uh, you can check them all out at promats-customs.com to get yours today. But for results of training, I've been doing a lot of testing with the team, uh, trying to get everyone ready for Nats and uh, or whatever tournaments that they're they're preparing for. And I've personally this week played a lot of Hatch. Uh, I think the deck feels very strong. Uh, it is definitely a contender for me on what I would take with me to California, but I'm not really sold yet. I have probably three, three or four decks in mind that I've been testing this week. I did a lot more work on Hatch. Uh, most recently, I played versus King Cold. Uh, King Cold, it's a cool deck. I I don't know if it can keep up, at least in the format for day one. I think it could definitely be a contender for day two. Um, the five drop Frieza, very strong. Uh, you definitely need to answer it. Uh, the nice part about Hatch is it does have a lot of answers. We have removal for it in the form of Vegeta, Demigrub, Max Power, um, Lord Slug, uh, a, lot, a lot of different cards that can get rid of it. And then we also have cards that can stop the effect. So we have the, you know, in black, there's there's all kinds of cards that we can play. We can play, uh, let's see, so Petrification. We can play the, uh, if they if they get greedy and swing first, we can Kai it. Uh, we have the Deborah counterplay. A lot of different cards that can answer that Frieza. You do want to answer it, though. You don't want them sniping those cards out of your hand and lose what you need. So overall, though, not, not too bad of a matchup. It seems... Overall, pretty simple. I don't think there's a whole lot to talk about on it. Don't think, honestly, when I'm playing Hatch, I don't think there's a ton of things to talk about when you're playing certain matchups. A lot of it is just understanding what the opponent's deck does, making sure that you have the answers that you need, and then <laughs> just doing what Hatch does, just playing the game. Uh, just, just playing the game. Um, so, yeah. But versus King Cold felt good. Um, like I said, Hatch still a contender. I'm going to keep testing. I'll update you guys on what I test this coming week. We're going to do a lot. Actually, I'm, when I'm recording the show now, we're planning on doing a lot of testing here in a few hours. So uh, we're going to run everyone through a gauntlet. So I'll have more updates on how that goes and what uh, where I'm leaning for, for Cali as well. But that's pretty much it for my results training. So let's go ahead and get into the mailbag. I got a special order on a pallet of sweets for Jocko. Wait, aren't you Monaka? Monaka's Delivery Service. All right, so uh, this is always a segment where we do some listener mail. We take questions from the listeners, uh, and it's all in the Discord. So if you would like to participate in this segment, all you have to do is join the Discord, get to level 7, which you get to by just interacting in the Discord, where you just get XP behind the scenes, uh, or you can do special XP events to get additional XP. 
But once you hit level seven, you can ask any question you would like in the Manaka's delivery service channel. And then I pick some random questions to go over. So let's see. Uh, just pulling them up now. Um, Super Shy Guy asked what we expect to see at Nats. I think we covered that in the episode. So I'll delete that one. Uh, Matty T says set 11 still alive or not. Nah, set 11 is definitely still alive, but uh, it keeps getting hit. <laughs> More decks keep leaving the format, but it is definitely still alive. Kid Gohan, Kid Icarus, whatever you want to call it. Still a deck. Uh, let's see. Rabbit Squirrel, John, he said, since after Nationals is usually the slower season, do you think a couple small Hermit-style events would fill the void for those that want to play? Yeah, absolutely. We, we can definitely set something up. We are still in the process of reworking the, the Hermit-style locals. Um, we don't have a date, uh, a time frame right now when they will return. We want to make sure we do them in a way that people like. Uh, Jay put out a survey on what kind of just get gathering feedback, gathering some opinions on what people would enjoy most uh, when we do bring them back. I would imagine we will probably bring them after Nats. So perfect timing, like you said in your question. Uh, so yeah, we will definitely have events from locals and maybe we'll, we'll do another big one. Um, I'll have to talk to, to Lobat again, see if they're on board. And yeah, we, we can definitely try and put something together. All right. And let's see. I will do one more. Uh, let's see. I want to find, I'll do, I'll do an older one. I'll do an older one. Let's see. Uh, let's see. Okay. So get them asked, um, what drew you to the game in the first place was the art mechanics IP. And did you two meet through the game referring to, uh, myself and Mike? Um, so yeah, that, that's a good question. So what drew me to the game in the first place? I went into detail on this on the Lobat podcast, but I would say overall it was the IP. Um, that was definitely what initially drew me in. I'm, I've always been a huge Dragon Ball fan since I was a little kid watching it. Uh, every day on Toonami. So yeah, I would say it's definitely the IP. And then did you two meet to the game? Yeah. Yeah, we actually met in a set two. I think it was a set two release tournament, maybe. Um, I think that was it. It was some tournament at our local shop. I, I believe it was early on in set two. Could it could have been the set two store championship at the end though. I can't remember which one it was. Maybe Mike remembers. Um I was playing what was I playing? Um, trying to go back and remember. Uh, oh, I remember. I was playing set one Broly as a meme. <laughs> uh, I didn't think the deck was that great, but it could do a few powerful things like recurring the, the bio Broly. Uh, I think that's, I think it's the bio Broly. It's the 15 K that can get reborn. Um, yeah, I was playing that and Mike was playing one of the meta, I think in one of the meta crit Vegeta lists, I think at the time it was one. I think, I think it might've been Marcel Russell was playing that deck. Um, but it was a, I could be wrong. I could be wrong. I don't know. I don't know. I'll, I'll say, I, I'll, I'll take that back. Cause I don't know for sure if it was him. Um, but yeah, it was a crit Vegeta deck that ran the green trunks, <laughs> the four drop, the triple striker that gives all your opponent's cards blocker. 
Uh, I, th- I believe it was that with like Trunks and Bulma. But yeah, we were playing and I'd never met Mike before, but the whole game we were just cracking jokes back and forth. And uh, I was like, man, this guy's actually not too bad at Dragon Ball. Turns out it was his first tournament he ever played in. And um, yeah, ever since then, we just kind of hit it off and started coming over to my house to to play and test. And yeah, it was just history from there. All right, and that will wrap us up, guys, for today's segment. Uh, I hope that you enjoyed this episode. I really enjoyed it. I wanted to try to find a way to get more information to people on Nats. It seems a lot of information is staying hidden, which I totally understand. You know, when you're when you're testing a lot with a team, you don't just want to give away every all your hard work. We've talked about that on the podcast before. Uh, there's definitely there. You know, if you've if you figured out something really cool, if you figured out something very strong in the format, uh, keep it keep it within your your circle. You know, don't don't just let all of your hard work just be copied, uh, especially for a big tournament like Nats. But at the on the flip side, I do think it's also important to share um, information to help people to to do better at the game and to have a better time at Nats. So you know, when we're talking about in general, the popular decks, what's good, what's bad. You should know that anyways. And we want to make sure that you do. And then, you know, try to give you as much information like sideboarding because that's something that we haven't done much. Uh, all tournaments have been best of one. I've talked to a lot of people who started playing during COVID. So this is really going to be their first BO3 event. Uh, so th- there's a lot of information that we really want to get into that the community should have access to. So those are really the things that we'll be talking about over the next few weeks. And uh, yeah, hopefully you enjoy it. If you have feedback for me to let you know what you would like or how to make the episode better, let me know. But until then, we will see you next week. Yeah, I got the real